All right, we started a new series last week. What we do is we take a topic, we talk about it for three, four, or five weeks. And so we started last week, and if you missed it, you can catch up online or Facebook. Forgotten Virtues. And we talked last week, well, today's topic is loyalty, but we talked last week about honor. And I got a more positive feedback than I usually do, so it touched a nerve, evidently. So, quick review for a minute. First, our basic text was in Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> Two different translations. Honor one another above yourself and outdo one another in showing honor. Um, the interesting thing is we do show honor to ourselves. And when we don't show honor to other people, it's because we put ourselves before their selves. But we'll talk about that a little bit more later. And then we made this statement, I think it was helpful to me, hopefully to you, to, to distinguish between respect and honor, because there's this confusion. Uh, came up in our small group, one of our small groups. Uh, respect is earned. Okay, I don't know you, I can't really respect you. Uh, if you do some things that are disrespectful, I'm certainly not going to respect you. Uh, so that's earned or lost. But honor is supposed to be given just by position. A government official, a doctor, a pastor, uh, whatever your position is. In fact, we should honor everybody because everybody is precious in God's sight, right? So that's what we talked about last week. So let's move on to loyalty. Uh, when people are surveyed about forgotten virtues, one that comes on the top or near the top, which was surprising to me, was loyalty. So let me ask you a question. Would you say you are a loyal person? I know all of most of you pretty well. I would say most of you are loyal people, in my opinion. Hopefully you would say you consider me a loyal person. So here's our dilemma, right? We're all loyal people here, but it shows up almost at the top of the list of forgotten virtues. So everybody out there must be unloyal, and we're just loyal in here. I, I don't know how to explain it. Anyway, uh, so disloyalty is difficult to see in the mirror because we all think we're pretty loyal. I, I think we do. Like I said, we are definitely loyal to ourselves first and foremost, and we're going to see that in this illustration from Scripture as well as from other, other uh, illustrations. But one example, and we talked about the, this uh, incident recently, Jesus had 12 disciples, one of them was Peter, and he was one of the top three, if you will. And he voiced his loyalty probably more than anybody else as far as we can tell from Scripture, right? So on the last night of Jesus' life, Jesus is talking about different things, he's going to die and all that. And then Peter makes this declaration, and it's in Matthew 26, I believe. Yes. Peter declared, all right? Even if everyone else deserts you, disloyal, right? I will never be disloyal to you, never. What's Jesus say to him? Well, thank you, Peter. You're right on. Now, Jesus says to him, I'm sorry to tell you this, Peter, but you're mistaken. In fact, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night, so in the next uh, eight hours, whatever it might be, before the rooster crows, you will deny me not one time, not two times, but three times. You'll claim uh, that you don't know me, 
and be disloyal. And so I didn't put all the text here. Somebody comes to him and says, hey, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? He says, no, 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 I don't, I, I, it's not me. Another person comes, uh, it's not me. And I, I put the third uh, uh, occurrence of this on uh, the scripture here. Uh, Matthew 26, what verse is this one? Um, 35. No! Peter's emphatic at this point, right? Been asked twice, he's denied Jesus twice. He's emotional, emotional obviously. Even if... Uh, oh, I skipped ahead, didn't I? I didn't finish the text. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples jumped in and said, yeah, yeah, we, us too. So he denied him twice, and then we get to the text the third time. Um, bring up the next verse, please. Sorry about that. At that, third time, he began to curse and swore with an oath, not his allegiance to Jesus, but that, what? I do not know the man. Of course, at that moment, the rooster crowed. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you'll die three times. You'll be disloyal that you ever even knew me. And he went away weeping bitterly. Now, it's hard to see disloyalty in the mirror, but it's also hard when we see it in the mirror, isn't it? And that's what Peter saw. And, of course, he went away weeping bitterly. And we'll get back to that in a few minutes. So the statement I want to make this week is this. Loyalty is proven, not proclaimed. We all proclaim it. How much do we prove it? Exactly what the, uh, uh, the author of Proverbs says. We're going to read this verse in a couple of different translations. Many people profess their loyalty. But a faithful person, a loyal person, who can find? They're, they're really hard, rare. Most people claim to be loyal. We all just did at the beginning of the service, I think. But can anyone find a trustworthy person? We used to have this expression, uh, don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. Meaning if you're going to claim to be a Jesus follower, live like one, act like one, right? <clears throat> I'm going to give you a historical illustration. Uh, people like baseball might like this one. It goes back to 1947. Um, the Brooklyn had a team called the Dodgers, who were now in California, right? Brooklyn Dodgers. The shortstop was Pee Wee Reese, pretty famous guy. Uh, the second baseman was really famous, Jackie Robinson. And why he was so famous was he was the first uh, major leaguer to cross the color barrier, right? And so, consequently, he received a lot of abuse because there was a lot of prejudice around. In, in 1947. And he would get death threats and people would scream and yell at him. So, uh, oh, we got somebody from Cincinnati here today. <laughs> uh, one day they're playing in Cincinnati and the crowd was just horrible. They were just yelling all obscenities and, and throwing things on the field uh, because Jackie Robinson was on the field. So, at this point, I should have brought my baseball glove with me. Dewey Reese takes his glove, he's on shortstop, and throws it on the ground and walks over to Jackie Robinson and puts his arm around him and just stands there. Well, the crowd eventually got silent. 
and then the game went on. Later, Jackie Robinson said, Pee Wee Reese probably not only saved my life, I mean my career, but he saved my life that day. Pee Wee Reese was loyal to his teammate, even though some of the others weren't. In fact, there is a monument, I never knew this, a monument to this event in New York City. I'll give you, show you a picture of it. There it is. Loyalty. Now, I want to tell you a story from Scripture, um, give you some backstory. One of the loyal people in Scripture is David and Jonathan, right? Um, but later on, uh, Absalom, David's third son, <laughs> killed, one of, killed his half-brother because he had raped <laughs> his sister. Anyway, uh, so he was in exile for three years, eventually he comes back, but king won't see him. So Absalom starts this insurrection and eventually is able to take control of Jerusalem. And so King David's running away and his, his followers for their lives. Anyway, there's this, this little incident that happens that's fascinating to me. Um, this guy who's a mercenary, that means he's not an Israelite. The Israelites are paying him money to fight for them, all right? So this is in 2 Samuel. So this guy, Ittai, is a mercenary. He's got 600 soldiers with him. With David's leaving, he's leaving with him. And so this, David says to him, here's what he says. King turned and said to Ittai, a leader of the men from Gath, why are you coming with us? You owe me no allegiance. <laughs> You're not, you know, we barely know each other. Go on back to King Absalom, for you are a guest in Israel, a foreigner in exile. Text goes on. Fascinating. You arrived only recently. And should I force you to, today to wander with us? I don't even know where we're going. Go on back and take your kinsmen with you, and may the Lord show you unfailing love and faithfulness. That's another good word for loyalty, isn't it? So I'm giving you a free pass. All right. I paid, he probably paid him, but at this point he's given a free pass, he, you know, do what's best for you. I don't even know what's going to happen to us. I don't know where we're going. The guy's response is amazing. But Ittai said to the king, I vow by the Lord and by your own life that I will go wherever my Lord the king goes. No matter what happens. Whether it means life, or death. And history tells us that he fought with David and with his men. And eventually David became king again. And when he does, he puts Ittai in charge of a third of his honor, uh, of his army to honor him, to elevate him. Uh, we don't have time to talk about all these people, but Ruth, uh, some of you know that story. Uh, when Naomi couldn't provide husbands for Ruth and her sister, um, Naomi said, you can leave. And one, the one sister did, but Naomi said, no, I am going to remain loyal to you, even if you can't provide me with a husband. So loyalty is a forgotten virtue. But we are already agreed that all of us are loyal people, right? So I want to do something a little bit different today. If you want to be disloyal, I'm going to 
that you have, okay? So, let me share some opportunities to be disloyal. This is only for married folks, so the rest of you can kind of check out for five minutes. <laughs> disloyal to your spouse. Reading from Scripture, from Malachi. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are His. So guard your heart. Now we're going to get back to this uh, heart thing at the end. Guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. So why God say that's important? Well, he tells us as the text goes on. For I hate divorce. Why do you hate divorce, God? The God of Israel. Uh, that's the God of Israel. To divorce your wife, especially in that time frame, in that culture, was to overwhelm her with cruelty. A little bit different today. But God still hates divorce, right? Says the Lord of Heaven's armies. So again, guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful or unloyal to your wife. I perform wedding ceremonies and uh, people have vows at wedding ceremonies, right? I don't think they think about it too much because, oh, we're in love and we'll just do all this stuff anyway. So I'm going to give, uh, show you one that I use, and we might have a wedding. Hopefully have a wedding in a couple of weeks, a couple of months, excuse me. And uh, if they choose to use these vows or not. But uh, a couple of interesting words show up in these vows. So Jane, or whoever the lady is, and I, I reverse it. We do it twice. Will you take Tom, or whoever the uh, groom is, to be your husband? Will you commit yourself to his or her happiness and self-fulfillment as a person, and to be useful in God's kingdom? And do you promise to love? What's that second word? Honor. We talked about that last week, right? Love and honor, trust and serve Him in sickness and in health, in adversity and prosperity, and be true and loyal to Him so long as you both shall live. True and what? Loyal. Never thought about it too much, but that's in the, the wedding vows that I use when I do a do a ceremony. So, okay, so if you're going to be disloyal, uh, one way you can do that is to commit adultery, right? Now, I've Googled this, and there's statistics all over the place, but the ones I'm most comfortable with is this one, that 25% of men, as horrible as that is, commit adultery, married men, and 15%, so shame on us guys, we do it more than the gals do, disloyal to their spouse to the point of committing adultery. So, if you're to do that, who are you loyal to? You're certainly not loyal to your spouse, so you're loyal to you or to what you're desiring, right? But we don't have to commit adultery to be uh, disloyal to a spouse. For example, do you ever make unkind jokes about your spouse? Like, uh, she can't even boil water. Um, so you could say something about him, same way. And it's a joke, right? So you can say, oh, I didn't really mean it. But there's a little truth to it, isn't it? Guys, attractive women walk by, especially scantily dressed. Do we gawk? That's being unfaithful to our spouse. Ladies, do you sometimes dress in a way so other guys will notice you? That disloyalty? Can we just be disloyal by putting our work before our spouse? 
maybe a hobby before a spouse. I got thinking about this going way back uh, to the early 80s, and I was pastoring at Greenbrier Church. And we had Sunday morning and Sunday evening services. And I was playing golf at the time. And so Easter was the only Sunday that I would, I, I'm finished my responsibilities at church at noon, right? Because there's no evening service. We had a sunrise service. So I had two services done by noon. And so I would get with my brothers and play golf on Sunday, Easter afternoon. Now the problem is I've got two little toddler boys that are doing egg hunts and all that stuff. I think my wife's still upset with me to this day that I missed their egg hunt of Josh and Micah when they were little and went and played golf. Not that it's wrong to play golf, but you understand. We can put things, we can put cars or collections of stuff before our spouse. So lots of ways if you want to be disloyal to your spouse. What are a couple other areas we can be disloyal? Well, we could be disloyal to our friends. Hopefully you have friends, all right? Disloyal to our friends. What does Proverbs say about that? A friend is always what? Loyal. And a brother is born to help in time of need. A true friend loves regardless of the situation. And a real brother exists to share the tough times. So how do we dishonor our friendships? I think one of the biggest ways is, is to gossip. To start saying something unkind about our, uh, somebody we could claim as our friend. Probably as bad, if not worse, is if somebody else is gossiping about him or her, and we join in. Rather than say, no, 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 don't say that about them. They're friends of mine. Another way to be disloyal is, and this is a tough one, not have the courage to tell them the truth. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want them to be mad at me. I don't want them to lose their friendship. But, you know, this is, they're really off track there. And I should speak up. I should say something. And, of course, the ultimate way to be disloyal is when they know something you don't like. Uh, befriend them. Walk away. Not going to be a friend, my friend, a friend of me, but my, a friend of mine anymore. Uh, third area. Disloyal to Christ's church. Uh, the church is Christ, God's creation, right? I mean, we have individual churches like ours, but the concept of the church was God's idea, His creation, His way to carry on, uh, Jesus carry on His work, right? So, I want to look, go back for a minute and look at that crazy New Testament Christians, because they had to be crazy, right? We shouldn't act like them, we shouldn't be like them. It's great that they got accomplished, but yeah, that's, they were fanatics, right? So, the church got born on what we call Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came down, preached, Peter preached a sermon, 3,000 souls got saved. So, what, what happened after that? This is Acts chapter 2. This is kind of a summary of those early days of the church. So, most of these folks are new believers, right? Had to be. They were devoting themselves to four things, right? So I consider these four things pretty important. They devoted themselves to it. First, with apostles' teaching. Secondly, to fellowship. Thirdly, to the breaking of bread. And fourthly, to prayer. Now, I love the fact that we can do, have these cameras. In fact, we spent time this week running wires up here for these cameras so you all can watch this at home. 
I love the fact we can do it when you're sick or when you're away. But what I don't like is when it substitutes <laughs> for being here. Because you can devote yourself to the teaching without being here. Let me ask you how you do fellowship without being here. That's why we say small groups are so important, so you can do life together or ministry. Um, yeah, just yesterday we were working on these wires and Roy Jones and I were working together and since we're doing stuff, we can talk, right? And so he had the kindness to ask me, how did your week go? And I was able to share something about my week. I apologized to him in the first service that I didn't reciprocate and ask him how his week was, but uh, hopefully he had a good week too. But see, that can't happen over the camera, folks. Breaking of bread, basically sharing meals together. We just said in four weeks we're going to share a meal together. Hopefully you'll join us. Uh, and to prayer. So the text goes on. This is fascinating. Okay, so they're doing this. What, what's the result? <laughs> Rever, I can't say this word. Rever, anyway, you can say it. All. All came over everyone. And many wonders and miraculous signs came about by the apostles. So it was just accidentally this stuff happened? I don't think so. It happened because what? They devoted themselves to the pastor's apostles' teaching, to fellowship, sharing of food together, which is kind of an intimate thing, and to prayer. Text goes on. And all of those who had believed in Jesus as Savior were together, together in person, <laughs> and had all things in common, considered their possessions to belong to the group as a whole. Now, this is fascinating. The scripture talks over and over and over again how important unity is. And they even took it to the, to the extreme, I guess we would say. Uh, they unified their stuff. I don't think technically, but when the need arises, because that's what the next verse says. They began selling their property and possessions and distributing the proceeds to everyone as anyone had need. So I don't think they just went out and sold everything. This isn't communism. Nobody forced them to do it either. But if you had a need and there, I had, didn't have the financial resources to help you, but I had something I could sell that gave me the resources to help you, I would do it. Because we, or us, is more important than me. But they were crazy first century fanatics, right? We aren't supposed to do any of this stuff today. And text goes on, day after day, they met in the temple area. Now, quick sidebar here. The early Christians, most were Jewish, thought Christianity was the fulfillment of Judaism. Jesus was the Messiah, which ultimately is true. But they didn't desert the temple. The temple deserted them. Eventually, the temple excluded them from being in there. So at least they could be in the area. Initially, anyway. Breaking of bread in various private homes. They met in homes, shared meals together again. They were eating their meals together with joy and generous hearts. And I shared with you last week, a regular attender of church is now considered somebody attends once a month. They come here, sit here for an hour, and go home. That's mind-boggling. What would the early church think about that? They would say, that's crazy. You have no commitment to that at all. In fact, we have a term for it now. We call it 
consumer Christianity. You just come to get what you can get. And you can do it at home uh, on screen. And uh, don't contribute anything. <laughs> uh, don't share your talents. Uh, and just go home. And if something, you don't like something, you know, just stop. That's not what the early church did. Uh, they were loyal to Christ and His church. So again, loyalty is proven, not proclaimed. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to, I, you know, mem- I remember that church or I attend that church once a month. That's not proving it. Oh, it's easy for us to say, it's not me. I'm not just loyal to my spouse. I'm not just loyal to my friends. I'm not just loyal to the church. But first and foremost, we're loyal to who? I'm loyal to me. I want to stay home. I don't want to go to church today. So, where does disloyalty come from? And we'll finish with this. Disloyalty comes from a divided heart. Remember we talked about guarding your heart? From a divided heart. Scripture says, while we were yet sinners, meaning disloyal to God, Christ died for us, was completely loyal to us. This is so amazing. That's God's grace. This guy came to Jesus one day and said, hey, we got all these all these rules, all these commandments. We got the Ten Commandments and 600 plus. And he said, okay, what's the most important one? And most of you know this text. Here's his answer. Uh, you must love the Lord, your God, with what? All your what? Heart. All your heart. All your soul. All your strength. All your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Confession time. I don't love the Lord with all my heart. I wish I did. I should, but I don't. Sometimes he wants, I know he wants me to do something, I don't do it. Other times I know he wants me not to do something, and I do it. We call that sin, right? Well, sin is disloyalty. So, James tells us how to deal with this, and then we'll be finished. James chapter 4, I believe it is, yes. Come close to God. And God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your what? Hearts. For your what? Loyalty is divided between God and the world. Disloyal? Yeah, we all are. What do we do? And he tells us. Here's what we need to do. As you draw near to God, be deeply penitent and grieve. Even weep. Peter did, over your disloyalty. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. And we have fun. We like to laugh a lot. But there's times that we need to be this. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to, sh- okay to shed a tear. Because, yes, I've been disloyal to you. God has done all for me. From salvation to the blessings of life. But what James is telling us, we need to deal this way with our disloyalty. I don't give you any specifics. I'm just going to give you a general next step. Prove your loyalty to God and others. Don't just proclaim it. Let me pray with you. Uh, Father God, this has been a tough message. It should bring about grief, possibly tears, as we 
truly see ourselves in the mirror, as Peter did on that fateful morning. We're disloyal. And we're so thankful that you love us unconditionally, that you're completely faithful or loyal to us. That's mind-boggling. But I pray each and every one of us will deal with our disloyalty so that joy can return. And we, as always, want to pray for anyone that's not a Jesus follower. Today would be the day they might step across that line. Say, yes, I need God's forgiveness. I truly believe Jesus is the Son of God. He raised from the dead to pay for my sins and to conquer death. I accept, I believe, I receive him into my life. Pray that you would make that decision today. But let us, uh, let us know uh, that we can celebrate and, and support you. Uh, Father God, we will face challenges to our loyalty this week, whether it's in our marriages, in our friendships, or our loyalty to you and your church. I pray that we are as loyal to you as you are to us. We thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.